Welcome to the Going Together podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Jake Mulder. He's a director of strategic initiatives at Fuller Youth Institute and the co-author of the book, Growing Young. Jake works with Fuller to bring about new research and resources for intergenerational ministry. All right. So we're talking about some of these growing young and growing together concepts. Um, but I guess the first question that I want to ask you is why? Like, why is this important? What's the problem that we're trying to address? What are we seeing kind of on a on a 30,000 foot level that you guys are trying to respond to? Yeah, I would say the problem uh, that we're trying to respond to, uh, let me actually start with the hope and the good news that we'd like to pursue is we really believe it is a good thing for more and more young people uh, more and more people from any generation uh, to come to know, trust, and follow Jesus. So that's the hope. And ultimately, when we talk about growing young, that's what we'd like to do. The specific reason it's called growing young uh, is because so many young people are leaving the church. Mm. And the result of so many young people leaving the church is that the church is growing older. Mm. Now, I, I always need to say at this point, at the Fuller Youth Institute, we love older people. We think older people are essential uh, to the life of the church. The challenge is we don't think the church was ever meant to be old people only or mm. older people only. We want to see young people alongside older people. That's the body of Christ. That's what we're after. That's what we intend. So that's part of the problem that we're responding to and what we hope to see. Yeah, I remember sitting in, uh, maybe it was like my Bible class in high school or something along those lines, and they said something to the effect of like, hey, look to the left, look to the right. According to the statistics, like one of you guys is very likely not going to be in the church in just a couple of years. And I think back to that moment, I'm like, man, how prophetic was that? Um, you know, even, you know, a dozen years ago, this was already something that we had right. kind of had a sense of. And I think I had a graduating class of like 67, 66 students or something along those lines. And not that I'm the judge of anyone's uh, personal walk with God, but if I had to put a number on it, I'm thinking maybe a dozen of them are still like in tune with their, their, their faith walk or faith journey or something like that. And it's it's been an eye-opening experience to see how many of my peers have decided, you know what, no, faith's not for me. Uh, the church community really isn't all that interesting for me. Yeah, I think that's where there's some power in this. I mean, on the one hand, we can give statistics, and I'll you know, give a few statistics. The, the reality, the data shows that about half of those who are growing up in the church today end up walking away from faith, walking away from church. Mm. Um, you look at some research from uh, some data from Pew Research that's come out more recently, and the percentage of young people who end up religiously unaffiliated or the religious nuns uh, for millennials, that, that number is about one out of every three would say, I don't affiliate with any faith tradition, period. You look in the United States, you add those percentages up with the uh, you kind of correlate them with the population. And what we see is there's about one million young people every year who are actively disaffiliating from the Christian faith, right? Mm -hmm. So the numbers are there and the numbers are compelling. Um, my experience is very similar to yours. When I just look at my peers, mm -hmm. or for many of us, if we look at our churches over the last 10 to 20 years and where faith has gone, so I think it's something that's very much in front of us. It's in our face. We've experienced it, whether that's in our family, our friend group, or our congregation, um, and the data is bearing that out, unfortunately. Is, is this true across uh, all regions, across all denominations? Is it more pronounced in certain regions? 
Yeah, I, to the best of our knowledge, um, it's it's pretty much true across the board. We've looked, again, based on Pew Research data that looks at religious disaffiliation and those leaving churches across a variety of denominations and regions, and um, there are always bright spots. So I think that's the part that I want to bring in, and that's the reason we did this whole study, mm. was we believe there are churches who are bucking this trend and who are thriving um, as far as if there are larger regions, overall denominations who are bucking the trend, uh, we don't see anyone who is growing by leaps and bounds, anyone who is retaining the majority of their young people. So it's a widespread problem. Mm. I'd probably halt from going so far as to say, you know, there's no area or no tradition uh, where there's some hope. Wow. You know, I, 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 w- I would like to believe, and I think this is a well-placed belief, that every church that's out there has never intended to go out there and be like, we want to run young people out of the church. I think every church right. out there has the best of intentions and the best of yep. hopes for their young people. Um, and yet, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that there's a frustration that's built in with this because, you know, I, I know that I've heard a lot. Oh, you know, we've done so much to sacrifice. We've, you know, given so much of ourselves to try and create the space. I come in yep. from, a, from an immigrant family, for example, and I know that there was a lot of sacrifice given so that their children, myself, could kind of reap the benefits. And so I know that there's frustration and sometimes the, the narrative is like, oh, these ungrateful, these, you know, disinterested young people. And there's a... There's this tendency to put um, like this, I don't know, spiritual like guilt over an entire generation of people. And, right. and I'm guessing that that's maybe not the most helpful thing and maybe even as part of the problem. I don't know. I'm guessing that you've, you've talked to some of these young people who have, who have left faith. And I'm curious to, to know what are some of the reasons as to why they're citing that they're becoming religious nuns? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great and very important question. And I think the easier response is just to assume that every young person who no longer shows up to church uh, or who doesn't think the exact same way that a different generation does, that they're throwing out everything about faith, that, that you know, they're they're going out and joining a cult or they're they're somehow going so far overboard. And what's interesting when you begin to pull back the layers the majority of young people who give up on church or at least stop showing up to church uh, are typically still on some sort of spiritual journey. Mm. Oftentimes will express that they are still trying to find and follow Jesus. They might express that they pray. They might express that they still read scripture. So those things are very true. What What starts to break down then is it's kind of the institutional participation. It's the institutional affiliation with churches as we know them now, which really then begs the question, which you pointed to, why is it that many of them are leaving? Um, Again, research shows many young people find the church to be hypocritical. Mm -hmm. So that's it for some of them, whether that comes to politics or stances on social issues. For most young people, though, they're not leaving the church because they hate the church, they hate Jesus, or they hate Christians. Uh, language we like to use is that it's often a drift. It's often a slow fade. Another way to say that is the majority of young people, they simply don't find church compelling in the way that maybe a previous generation did. Hmm. So what a lot of young people are saying is, I actually want to follow Jesus. There's something about this Christian faith that I do find compelling. However, our current expression of how we show up, do church, sing the songs, message, our witness in the community, something about that is what's not not quite as compelling. 
Um, I can speak into that more if helpful, but yeah, that's that's the direction. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'm kind of curious, and maybe this is out of place because I know that you are more about citing the data, and but I'm kind of curious where you fall on that spectrum because I, I feel like you're kind <laughs> yeah. of an in-betweener, but you can help build this bridge and help us understand each other. When, when you when you look back on your faith journey, do you find uh, a place among these people as well, these religious nuns? Yeah, I think very much. The, the interesting piece is I can relate to both sides of this. I, on the one hand, carry a deep sense of hope and passion and excitement and belief in the church. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the other side, carry a deep sense of disenfranchisement, frustration, thinking, couldn't this whole thing be better? Mm-hmm. And um, I've got dual experiences that speak to those. I mean, I've had such rich Christian community in different things that have been part of the hope that make me believe this really is the best way that we could ever live. Mm. I've also been part of congregations and Christian experiences that, you know, take me to the depths of like, if this is the way it is. I'm, and, and I think almost all yeah. of us have sorts of experiences uh, at different points in our lives. The question is net net which one is the one that is winning out for most of today's young people. And overall, their experiences are often taking them into the church is not something that's compelling or relevant to my life, whereas in previous generations, uh, it's something for a variety of reasons that that did feel that way. Yeah, I I definitely resonate with that as well. I've had a a tremendous amount of admiration for my community at times. Uh, It's been some of the most profound experiences and some of the richest community that I've ever experienced. And while that's true, I've also had some of the most discouraging moments in, in my faith community. You know, yeah. something that I look at and when, when I see that the young people that have decided to, to remain as part of the faith community, I, I don't know, maybe this is anecdotal, but I see that those who do remain have a particular fire burning with them that's kind of yep. unique. It's, it's kind of like they're all in or not at all. Uh, yep. If I'm going to stick around, I'm going neck deep on this thing. And I have some friends, for example, that uh, prior to coronavirus, they were in Cambodia as missionaries. You know, I think they <clears> dedicated <throat> like a dozen years to be missionaries overseas, learn the language and, um, you know, put themselves into the community, the whole thing. And and when I think about like my generation, like when they're sticking around in faith, they're they're just so committed. And I'm wondering, is that is yeah. that bearing out in the trends as well? Is that if you if you can keep young people they're they're so on fire. Yeah. So two quick responses to that. On the one hand, yes, what we do see is for many young people who are sticking in, it's because they've had a set of experiences or things that are actually in our power to do to help them stay there. What I want to balance that with, and I know we're going to go into this throughout this podcast series, um, we're always quick to resist the, oh, this is the one thing that if we can just do that one mm-hmm. thing. And I, I, I liken young people leaving their faith often to... Um, our responses to poverty or clean water or people who are suffering from starvation, lack of food. On the one hand, we could think, oh, well, if we'll just go and, you know, give someone some food and we'll just get them on a program where every week we deliver food to this area, uh, whether that's across the world or it's within our own neighborhood, we can think, oh, great, that'll take care of it. They'll now have food. Well, when you start to dig into it, there's a lot of root causes. There's social and political forces. There's individual choices. There's all of these complex factors that contribute to why there's crime, why there's poverty, (laughs) why there's starvation, lack of access to clean water. If we're going to address something holistically, we need to take a step back and see the whole thing. And we're actually, in fact, what we talk about in, in Growing Young and Growing Together 
is actually taking a, a step back to evaluate all those pieces. Now that being said, one very, very important and critical thing that you can do is make sure you are empowering young people, you're giving them that passion, that excitement. Yes, absolutely. And hmm. there's a whole lot more than that. Okay, awesome. I'm excited to, to, to talk more about this because um, I know that you guys have been studying churches that have been successful in, I don't know yep. if the term is growing young. Uh, yep. How would you describe the churches that you've studied? Yeah, I mean, we would say these are churches uh, who are uh, developing lasting disciples of Jesus. These are um, churches that are investing in young people in the way that these young people have a vibrant and lasting faith. Uh, so that's how we talk about churches that are growing young. Awesome. So, so churches that are growing young, uh, uh, paint that picture a little bit more for me. What does that What does that end up looking like? What if if we are committed to this journey over time, realizing that it's not a silver bullet answer, right. but it's it's something that we can really commit ourselves to over time? What will we likely begin to see as the fruits of our of our commitment? Yep. So I think we could take as our base case, our our to start with a church that's either it, things just maybe feel a little stagnant. Like they just feel a little stuck. They're not quite as vibrant as they could be. Or what describes the typical church in the United States right now is that church is aging and shrinking. Now, when we say aging, that means nothing other than the average age of the church is getting older. So maybe it used to be average age was like 35 in a church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now it's 45. Now it's 55, which is simply because there are, our older folks have stuck around but there's not the younger folks to replace them and the average age just keeps going up. The shrinking part of that is there's fewer people showing up to our congregation for worship or different activities. So if the typical church in the United States is aging and shrinking, when we talk about a church that's growing young, tangibly what that looks like is that there is a high percentage of young people in the mix of the overall congregation. So don't just, you know, stereotypical way of going about this is like, oh, it's a church of only 20-somethings. That's not what we're talking about. It's not new 20-somethings. It's, it's really the intergenerational body of Christ, everyone together. But because of having young people in the mix, because we're forming them in the image of Christ, what we've seen comes from that is that there's a sense of vibrancy, energy, passion, excitement in the congregation. And... Um, whether in your own family or a neighbor, if you've ever seen like a larger family unit that all of a sudden has kids and they've got younger kids who are growing up or neighbor kids, whatever, who come into the mix, there's some ways that are really exciting that that brings energy. There's some ways that are more challenging that that brings energy in different questions. But I think the way that our, our society, our families, our churches have been meant to renew themselves is always that we've got this mix of those with this experience, wisdom to invest mm those on the younger side who need that investment and support, we put them together. That's when really exciting things start to happen. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about growing young in the church. Awesome. And this is something that you guys have seen kind of borne out over and over in the data. This is a repeatable process. There, there are things that we can really lean on as, as, as science and data to, to try and get this outcome in our own churches. Yeah, I, I think the, the beauty of this is, yes, contemporary research, social, social science research, so surveys, interviews, visiting churches bears this out. Um, if you find yourself thinking like, well, I don't know that I find data all that convincing, I, often we just talk about going back to Acts chapter 2 okay. with the early church. Yeah. Um, I, I think Acts 2 is very much a picture of what we're talking about here, and you've even got, if you go... 
scan through Acts chapter 2, you've even got this picture of young and old together, dreaming dreams, seeing visions, prophesying. Like This, this is not anything new to any of our faith traditions. Mm-hmm. You can go back to... Um, Go back to the Psalms, go back to the prophets, go back to Israel's early days. And from early on in Deuteronomy, I mean, the people are commanded to pass on their faith from generation to generation. And then what ends up happening? Over time, we all forget. We forget what God has done. Mm. (laughs) We forget to share those stories. We forget to live out what God has invited us into. Different generations drift. God calls us back. So in some ways, we just think this is a continuation of a much larger narrative that's always been there. So the research bears out, if we will zero in on Jesus, if we will fully trust what God is doing in this generation, I wholeheartedly believe this generation will come to God. We can see the church thrive as it always has. Um, But yes, it's grounded in data, grounded in research, which I think is valuable, but we can come at it from a lot of perspectives. Amen. I'm excited about that. Zeroing in on Jesus and focusing on God and the gospel. And hey, data also helps as well. Uh, There's hope for our church. I think that that's that's beautiful. Jake, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah, Justin, it's great. Yeah, looking forward to talking in our next episode.